This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Everybody, it's Gary Bay, Nerd Chuck, and this is episode 311 of the Ask Gary V Show, and one that I will watch in perpetuity forever. Uh, easily <laughs> one of the most important men of my life without him fully knowing it. To, to this, every single code that I ever had on my ATM, on my passwords, several years ago when I started realizing more people knew who I was, I had to go and change everything from January 12th, 1969, because I felt that people would eventually figure out that those were all my passwords. <laughs> That's great. Joe, it's a real, real honor to have you here. Obviously, my fan base knows, literally, what you probably don't know is I immigrated to this country uh, from the Soviet Union originally lived in Queens and then moved to Edison, New Jersey, and the real way I got Americanized was was absolutely New York Jets football. My first season, back to John Riggins, we were talking before we started this, was the 82 season, which was a great one for the Jets. And you know, obviously had they beaten Miami, they would have played John Riggins' skins in that game. And literally from that day on, it has become the core, the core thing in my life is the New York Jets besides my family. So you can imagine how much fun it is to have you here. So thanks for being on. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. So I have, I have a lot of things I wanna to talk to you about and the format of the show is we're gonna do calls. Obviously I've been promoting on social so a bunch of people are gonna be super excited to call in. I'm gonna start with a couple of different things. I think you know the one luxury of actually being a hardcore Jets fan and is that I think I can take these in different directions than the normal stuff. So actually what I wanna talk about is the season after the Super Bowl. A game that kind of still sits, obviously this happened, I was born in 75, but the game against the Chiefs that we lost in the playoffs the next year, I guess my first question would be, was the team after the Super Bowl a better team than the Super Bowl team? And obviously better is a funny word, but did you think we were gonna win Super Bowl four? I didn't necessarily think we were gonna win Super Bowl four, but we felt like we were playing well and we ended up playing a team that outplayed us that day, the Kansas City Chiefs, man. Yeah. And you bring it up, Gary, it was a windy, cold, funky day in, in Shea, Shea, man. Yeah. We were home. It, 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 we were home and uh, we got held to six points, all right? I'm aware. Bobby Bell, they had more four or five Defensive players in the Hall of Fame now, you yes. know, I mean, they, they were good. And uh, I remember a play that I actually thought about trying to fool Bobby Bell during the week when we are getting ready, and I made a big mistake. You don't fool Bobby Bell, you know, a yeah. great linebacker that he was. And uh, we only scored six points. They beat us, man. What do you, what do you, when, when I bring up that game, right, what what are the what are the biggest things that you think about? Like, did you did that game stick with you? Because obviously, I mean, and some of this stuff I might get wrong because obviously I wasn't around. But the next season you got hurt, right? Because the next season was a four and eleven season, right? And it was yeah. like like how much I don't I don't know you well enough to know, you know, is it stuff you think about? Is it not? But that season for some reason I don't know why it sticks. Obviously, everybody talks about the prior season, but there's you know. And Len Dawson, you know, what kind of player was Len Dawson? Lenny Dawson was sweet, man. I mean, he was sweet. He was smooth. I tried to run like Lenny Dawson. <laughs> the knees Jog, wouldn't let I don't you. talk about jogging <laughs> on and off the field. You know, he was a good I was ball impressed player, huh? with his mannerisms, his coolness. Uh, he was a real gentleman, and he was brilliant as a player. But that game, that season, like, does, did that hurt for a long time, or were you? You had so much going on in your life at that point. Obviously the prior season puts you on a pedestal in this city, the biggest city in the world. Are you the kind of guy that after that game, 
you're devastated for 24 hours, you think about it for a month, or you go down to Miami and have fun, like what kind of guy were you? Like I'm very curious what happens after that level of adversity. I assume we're at home, you're pretty, you know, the Raiders were a really good team that year too, so you have to face those guys again if you win, but like, were you upset or were you kind of like, you understood that they outplayed you? Like how, how did your psych, I'm, I'm trying to get into the mindset of, you're walking off the field, and then what happens the next 30 days? Gary, I, I'll share with you what my head coach told my freshman class of football players at the University of Alabama the first time we met our head coach and had a meeting with him. Coach Paul Bear Bryant, he stood up in front of us and he said, I'm gonna teach y'all how to keep from beating yourselves. Now, I came from PA, man. Yeah. I, it's tough for me to understand him, and we won a championship <laughs> back there in Beaver Falls, and that sounded to me like, what, playing conservative or playing sure. scared? I'm gonna teach y'all how to keep from beating yourselves. And then he said, you're gonna remember the losses, the mistakes, the games you didn't play well in, more than you're gonna remember the good games, yep. even the big games you've yep. won. Yep. To this day, you bring up the Kansas City Chiefs game in 1969, I promise you, that's one of the ones we're talking about, coming Sticks, from Coach right? Bryant. Losing to Texas my senior year in the Orange Bowl. That jumps up at me. Losing once to that team from across the Alabama State, Auburn, I call it Auburn <laughs> for most folks, but even losing to them, that, that gets me right here to this day. Sure, we won the championship, man, mm -hmm. and I mentioned high school, college, the goal for every player should be to make the team own up. You gotta be good enough to get on any team, whether it's Little League Baseball, Junior High Basketball, you got to make the team, and the next goal should be to win the championship. That's right. And we did it on those levels, and uh, I, I'm thrilled about that. But I think at the games I played like a bum first. Do you think you played like a bum in that game? In which game? The Kansas City Chiefs game? I know there's uh, four picks in that game. Uh, That's well, a, but, you know, real football fans know some of those are on the quarterback and some of them are not. And some are on a, a good defensive play, or and they can make excuses about the silly. hawk sure. or what all yep. that stuff. And Missed I'm talking about the hawk, the, the, the wind the, 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 was, yep. you know. But no, I mean, I didn't play well. Had I played well, uh, we would have possibly won the game. You know what, and that, that triggers a thought when Please. we think about Tom Brady. I think okay. about Tom Brady in this day and age and yep. after watching him over the years, I know I literally lost a game or more when I played for the Jets. I haven't seen Tom Brady in 18 years or since he's been playing for the Patriots cost them a game. Well, you know what's funny? Because the playoff game that we went up there and beat them on, I thought the pass that he threw that Davis, David Harris intercepted changed a complete complexity of that game throughout the rest of the game. So I'll chalk that up to Tom Brady's loss. Okay, that's one play. I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> it though. I want that. Listen, I'm hanging okay, on here, Joe. Right, I'm hanging you know, right. as a diehard Jets fan, that name is tough to to, oh. to deal with as you can imagine. Let me ask you another question that I, uh, that I was really curious about. This is getting By the way, everybody who's watching, you put in calls. I'm going to talk to I'm going to talk to Joe a lot about marketing because I think what Sonny did and we'll get into this with I'm very curious from your perspective of being the human. There is no question in my mind. And my brother AJ and I started this marketing company and several years ago he left to follow his passion and my brother is in the football sports representation business. So he's a, he's a football agent. Obviously, we come from marketing background, so you can imagine I'm very affected with 
the way you became who you were in the public eye and that wasn't just who you were as a charismatic, successful player, it was the people around you that were helping you make decisions on brand deals, the SI cover is all time, the pantyhose thing is all time. There's a lot of things that were done between you and your team that has created the legendary status that you are. You know, Obviously the game is so disproportionately powerful, but I don't think people understand how a full thing is usually built. So I, for everybody who's watching, because I know marketing and entrepreneurship is such a big part of me and this show, we'll get to that. You're gonna have to stick with me because I'm going very nerd football here because I've got to see it through for myself. I'm very curious, and I actually don't have as much knowledge about this because this is the period where I don't know as much about. Richard Todd. This is very interesting to me because the 82 season is my first season and he was the Jets quarterback at that time so he was my first Jets quarterback. He, you know, when I look at the history books and read stuff, he comes into the team with all this fame and things of that nature. There's a story I can't recall about something with, you, you said some amazing joke to him at like a training camp or something. I don't remember the whole story and I might even be getting it wrong. I'm curious as a nerdy, nerdy Jets fan, where were you at the point of your career? How did, what was your relationship like with him? Like, tell me, like when I say that name, give me a story or two that maybe you haven't told or like, give me, give me a scoop here, Joe. Tell me something about you and Richard Todd. Every year that I played pro football, the 13 years that I played, I would go back to Tuscaloosa, Alabama and to train. That's right. That's where I'd go that. do my training. Uh, I'd go Joe, back. I'm gonna interrupt you and I apologize and everyone's laughing now because I love to do it. As a PA boy, I mean, you've t- obviously I've seen you talk about a lot. Coach, coach down there in that scene, like th- you, that was really transformational for you that time down there, huh? It was, I, I didn't even visit the campus before I went there. I didn't know Coach Paul Bear Bryant at the time. Uh, I saw Alabama play one game before I went there and that was in the Liberty Bowl on a black and white television uh, and, and I really didn't know anything about him. Who came, who came in second for Joe Namath? Second where? If you didn't go to Bama, where would have you gone? Maryland, University of Maryland had I passed you, the college boards, but I, I didn't score high enough on the college boards to go, to, to, go Maryland. to Maryland. No, I didn't want to go to college. <laughs> I wanted to play baseball. <laughs> Is that I, true? I had the opportunity to sign a baseball contract. But at home, uh, it was at a time that we still you know, did what your mother or your father said. And my father uh, and mother had divorced uh, early on. Uh, not so early, but in, it was early in my life. And uh, now it was time to decide what uh, the youngest in the family was going to do, go to college or sign the baseball contract. And so we had a meeting at the house. My oldest brother ran the meeting. My mother was sitting there and brother Bob said, well, mom, he turned to her, he said, mom, what do you want Joe to do? And my mother said, oh, I want Joey to go to college. <laughs> Bob hit the table. That's it, you go to college. That was it. That was it. And were you I was crushed. <laughs> I, I couldn't be too angry because Bob could still beat me sure, up then, sure. you know. Uh, but you were really but, disappointed? I, man, I had a brand new Starfire Pontiac convertible <laughs> picked out. Man, powder blue with a chrome strip along the side, a white top, $50,000 bonus in 1961, which, which is, like is pretty cool. Dollars. Yeah, man, I, I, you kidding? I wonder, mm-hmm. I love the baseball. I, I'd run around and catch and bat like Roberto Clemente or tried to, you mm-hmm. know? I, I really loved baseball, but. Mom wanted you to go to college. That was that. 
and you first wish you, you and then Maryland hit your radar because Maryland why? Uh, I like Tom Nugent, the coach there. Mm-hmm. I liked his style of football. They threw it a lot. Yep. He started the I formation when he was at Florida State, uh, and and he was just a charismatic guy. And Joe, this was not an era where a big prospect like Joe Namath, with not passing the boards, like Maryland couldn't figure out some funny like this. That wasn't the ecosystem in college football uh, back it, then. It didn't work that way. And what happened is Coach Nugent called Coach Bryant and let him know that I was still loose. Interesting. And unbeknownst to me, I didn't know Howard Schnellenberger, an assistant coach at Alabama at that time, showed up at our house in Beaver Falls. There's a knock at the door, and he came in and talked to my mother. She went upstairs, packed me a suitcase you could put under the front seat of this, you know, a bus seat now on a plane. It was that big. Came downstairs, gave me a $5 bill, and looked at Coach Schnellenberger and said, take him. And that was it, man. I was off to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I never heard of Tuscaloosa, <laughs> Alabama before that. What about Alabama itself? Well, I, they did see him playing the Liberty Bowl. Sure. I liked their style, yeah. man. I, they had dark headgears and white uniforms that day, I that remember. And you. I caught myself pulling for them, but they lost. And so, back to the story. So you go down and Todd is down there one of those off seasons. Well, you see, I, I, I was, uh, again, already playing pro ball, but yep. I'd go back to, to train uh, May, June, early June, before our training camp. And Richard uh, was the quarterback at Alabama one of those years, and they were running a wishbone offense when he was a senior. But when he was a younger player, before they put the wishbone in, Richard was still running sprint out stuff and throwing. So I used to work with Richard specifically on dropping back, the straight drop back mm-hmm. pass. He had a strong arm, mm-hmm. and he was good. He was a big heart, good teammate, man. You'd like everything about Richard except that day against Miami, maybe, down there in the bad weather with A.J. AJ Dewey. Dewey. <laughs> that one hurts. That's the first time I cried. Only the 86 Browns loss made me cry harder, but that was a tough one. Yeah, well, you know, some are tougher than others. Yep. They all stink. Yep. You know, you yep. never get tired of winning. Yep. Two things in life we don't get tired of, staying healthy and yeah, winning. Sure. I mean, you know, your girlfriend will run you off or you yep. want to run her <laughs> off sometimes. But, for sure. Uh, the, the two things health. that yep. are steady are good health and so winning. So did you tell the Jets that you thought that, like, was there ever a conversation between you and the front yeah. office about Todd? There might have been because we drafted him number one. Yeah. Uh, in 76, we drafted Richard number one. And uh, Richard had great training yeah. with Coach Bryant. I mean, he was a, a fine player and uh, strong. Uh, but uh, How much uh, pressure was on him in New York? Because he came from Bama. He, he also had good hair. His was blonde. Like, like, was there a lot of pressure and expectation on him to like, I would, live on? I would think more than I could realize. Yeah. I, I, Did you talk I didn't to him realize about it. it. Not about that. No. no, no, we didn't. Hey, no, yeah, man, we, we were did. buddies. Yeah. I mean, we were like new Richard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we we went to dinner. We yeah. we hung out. Yeah. We you know we we were together, man. Yep. And uh, no, I didn't ask him about the pressure. Didn't want to make anything yep. about yeah. yeah you're gonna follow my yeah, footsteps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, man, None it that. wasn't that kind of thing. Joe, what I have a very another question back to Nerdum. What's the biggest thing you lost le- you learned from when you went to L.A. Like you know, obviously that was a difficult. It did like that for at least from what I can see, it wasn't a success. It wasn't a great success with no, the Rams. It, but it, forget about 
what happened on the football field for say, or maybe something you learned on the football field, I don't know. If I ask you, what was the single biggest thing you learned with the Rams you know, experience, what was it? To get something positive out of a negative season, which uh, happened to be the teammates that I did play with, Jack Youngblood, Tom Mack, you know, these yeah. kind of cats, Lawrence McCutcheons, Jackson, uh, the friendships that I developed with the players, the coach, Chuck Knox there at the time. Yep. Chuck was our offensive line coach with the Jets my rookie season and second season. So you had a relationship there. Yeah, but uh, I couldn't play as well. I had two severed hamstrings in my left leg that I played my last uh, five years or so with. And you can't run with a severed hamstring, but you can still play quarterback to some extent. Do Do you, when you watch the current state of the rules for quarterbacks in the NFL, do once in a while... Like I, I, you know, anybody, you know, it's kind of like the classic thing that everybody does, right? To like a son or a daughter, like in my day, I walked in, like there has to be, when these phantom 15 yard penalties where the guy sneezes on the quarterback, meanwhile, the Raiders are literally double pile driving you to the concrete in these games. Like at some level, once at a blue moon on a Sunday in the last five years, you gotta be like, geez, what I could have done if this was the rules when I played. No. Never. No, Gary, I tell you what. You don't don't allow yourself to do that. Well, I don't. I was trained that way in a sense. Coulda, woulda, shoulda, excuse me, and no yeah buts too. So forget about you (laughs) as a human. Do you just laugh about, like, do you laugh about? No. No, I'm going to tell you something. The first year I did color, I did with NBC, I made the statement. I said, I don't care if Hulk Hogan (laughs) is back there in the pocket, he's going to get hurt. They needed to change the rules. They needed, because if you knock the best guy out, the quality of the game's going downhill, and the fans are losing out. Yep. They're not getting the best possible performance. You had to protect the quarterbacks some, because hey, the backups are backups for that reason. reason. Yeah, and you keep going down, man, it's the quality of the game that suffers. How close did the the St. Louis drafted you along with the Jets, two separate leagues. How close were you not a Jet? Uh, How much of a shot did St. Louis actually have? You know what? Uh, For real, for real. I'm like, this one's a, yeah, this is one that I really wanna know. This is all for real, I promise you that. Uh, The St. Louis Cardinals showed up unannounced in Tuscaloosa, Alabama in my dorm's lobby. I'm up in my room. <laughs> Doing and what? I get on a, I get a, uh, it's the daytime. Respect. I'm up in my room. <laughs> and uh, knock, hey, name it. There's a couple of guys to see you down. I didn't even know who drafted me. It wasn't like today. I know, I we know. didn't know. I it know. wasn't televised. It wasn't phone called. You know, I mean, these two guys came upstairs. One was the general manager and one was one of the owners. And they sat down on my bed because I wouldn't let him sit on my roommate's bed over there. <laughs> my room with Pelham, Butch Henry, who was named after General Pelham, <laughs> in the Southern, you know, the Confederacy. Yep. Anyway, we sat on the bunks, and uh, uh, one uh, the owner guy uh, told me they had drafted me uh, and and wanted to sign me to the contract. And uh, I said, "Oh, well, good, but I, I haven't heard from the other team yet." He said, "Well, that's all right. You know, you're not gonna." have to listen to them, we're gonna sign you, and uh, we're gonna offer you, uh, well no, it wasn't we're gonna offer you. They asked me what I wanted to play, and Coach Bryant had asked me that same question after the Auburn game, our last game of the regular season, 
And I told Coach Bryant uh, in the locker room as I was down on my knee putting the sock on our backup quarterback Steve Sloan's leg because he was hurt too. And I said, well, Coach, uh, Don Trull signed for 100000 last year. I said, I was thinking of 100000 100, looking up at Coach Bryant. Coach Bryant took a draw off that big old Chesterfield cigarette he is doing there, and he <sighs> blew some smoke. And he said, well... You go ahead and ask him for two hundred thousand. He said, "That's a better place to start." <laughs> so when these guys said, "He said, well, what do you think you're gonna want, want. here?" Mm-hmm. I told him I, I could hardly get it out. Wait, you know, two hundred thousand uh, dollars. And the guy fell back. The only fell back. Oh, two hundred thousand. The other guy started. Two? You crazy? Two hundred thousand? And I remembered. Uh, oh, uh, and the new car too. Oh, you want a new <laughs> car too, do you? You want a new car? And I said, well, yes, sir. You skipped said, baseball oh, yeah. for, you know, you got to get that, that baseball car oh, back. And he I asked me it. what kind yeah. of car because <laughs> I, I talked to an old high school teammate maybe a few days before and he asked me what I was going to ask for. And I told him about Coach Bryant and asking mm-hmm. me that money. And he said, well, man, what kind of short you going to get? I said, well, I don't know. I didn't think about that. He said, oh, you need to get your Lincoln Continental convertible. <laughs> he said, it's got them barn doors, those doors that open out this way and all. And so uh, I, I told the uh, owner and the general manager, I said, hey, a Lincoln Continental. And they looked at each other, oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. He wants a Lincoln Continental. It made me feel like a real. Yeah. And so how did it end? Did they well, say thank you? And oh, kind of no, 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 it didn't end there. The man went in his briefcase and pulled out a contract. Pulled out a contract. And he said, no, look, okay, well, we'll do it. All right. He's got, he's got this contract. He's going to pass it. No, 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 wait a minute. We got a bowl game yet. Coach Brown had told myself and what other guys certainly that were seniors, yeah, we had a bowl game coming up January 1st. So they tried to get me to sign right then. They knew the rules. Of course. But, you know, that's okay. I just had to tell them, no, I can't do that now. We've got a game coming up. Coach Bryan actually told us that if we were being recruited, don't you even take a Coca-Cola from them. Mm-hmm. Any that's of these right. guys. Yeah, that's right, because we had a game coming up. and uh, So you got them out of the room somehow without signing yes, the deal. Yes, that's right. And I sat there alone wondering, wow, you know, what do I do now? So I called a buddy, uh uh, that there was a, a student, a regular student. He was a dealer in Las Vegas in between <laughs> semesters. Uh, Hubie, and he came over, picked me up. We drove down to a restaurant called the Deep South for a cup of coffee to talk this over. That's cool. And as he and I are talking, I said, damn, yeah, I got to get some help. So I got up and went to the payphone. At the time, it was a dime for the payphone and called a buddy up in Alabama who was a lawyer, Mr. Michael Heichelbite and uh, told him the situation, and so then I had legal representation, and uh, Mike handed it the rest of the way for that initial contract. And the Jets won. Well, the Jets won. Uh, they flew me at Mike. Uh, actually, Mike paid for the plane fare to fly to Los Angeles, and I met Mr. Werblin in Beverly Hills at the Beverly Hills Hotel. That was a smart I mean, move by Sonny. Trees and Sonny are unbelievable. And uh, it, it was spectacular. And uh, he wanted me to sign with the Jets, and we were able to go to a game and watch the Jets and the San Diego Chargers play down in San Diego. Uh, we drove down there, and then I went back to Alabama. 
and uh, we met again with uh, Mr. Werblin, and well, he was the man doing yeah, everything then. Was. Even it was though a big we, partnership, but he was running it. Yeah, yes, that's right. And uh, had Weeb Eubank being a general manager who knew something about football, sure. you know, the other owners were in thoroughbred industry, mm-hmm. the oil industry, you yes. know, the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. They were different. And it's uh, just the kind of guy Mr. Werblin was, was an influence. And that's the thing. Coach Bryant told me, get to know the people you're going to work for. And that was so important because it became a no contest, you know, after the two guys. How how quickly did your relationship with Sonny turn into him saying, like, how thought, did he communicate to you that, hey, kid, I'm going to make you a superstar? Like, his blueprint on treating you like he treated other celebrities from L.A. was not a model that was in sports up until that point. I mean, that Broadway Joe thing is real, real, real stuff. That is like, I don't think people understand in this day and age what Sports Illustrated meant, what that cover meant. Every single young guy in the country sees that magazine cover and that positions you right away. Did you know that that was going on or was he just kind of doing it or was that something that you were a part of? Gary, you're right on. You're right on. It was Mr. Werblin at one point I overheard him say, telling someone else, whether it was he and his wife and I together, or who else was it? Stars sell tickets. He created the star system, he sure did. so to speak, in professional football. He sure, did. we had Red Grange many years yeah. ago. Jim yeah. Brown was yeah. a star, you know, but were they Yankees weren't were star, catered but... to in a sense. They weren't built up. We and weren't built and up. You, and you crossed over. He embraced the media in New York. He started inviting the media into areas and buying them lunch and visiting with them. He, he, he reached out to the media and he, he, he got it off the ground, man. I mean, I don't, it wouldn't surprise me if he called Sports Illustrated himself to get sure. that picture on Broadway. Yeah, he was instrumental uh, not only in my career, but in the AFL's Here, I agree. Uh, How existence. did it feel the first time you saw you, yourself on the cover of Sports Illustrated like that? I was stunned. Uh, first time I saw it, we were practicing at Shea. I came in off the practice field and on my stool and every other player's stool around the locker room was that magazine, the Sports Illustrated, with my smiling face looking up. I had a few veterans pick up the magazine, look at it, and then throw it at me. Yeah, I'm ducking mm-hmm. magazines, mm-hmm. you know, embarrassed, actually. Sure. That, uh, you know, uh, it, it was kind of scary. Uh, some of them were cursing a little bit yep. about it, you yep. know. And I'm sitting here straight across, like, where he's sitting over there, straight across from me, the offensive linemen are sitting there. <laughs> and our offensive leader, Sherman Plunkett, offensive tackle, who was about 6'5", and we didn't know how much he weighed <laughs> because the scales only went up to 300 then, you see. And I used to carry Sherman's helmet off the practice field from yep. training camp to that day. Right. He would leave his helmet there and I would carry it off for him, yep. right? And I'm sitting there and I look across over there and there's Sherman looking at the magazine. And I'm looking at Sherman <laughs> and then Sherman picks his head up and he looks over me. He smiles and just the words came out of his mouth. Oh, Broadway, Broadway Joe. And man, from that time on, it was cool. It was nice. He, he co-signed it. He, he, he allowed the rest of the team to oh, embrace it. For him to say that, yeah, that caught on. That Love was it. cool, yeah. Really interesting. 
It, it's super interesting for me to look from afar as somebody who thinks about attention and marketing, that whole process. Jumping to, did you have any idea that the pantyhose commercial was gonna be that big? You know what, uh, this is the guy over here that uh, handled that situation. Got, Mr. Walsh and I would- Tell were, me about that. We were together in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, New Jersey guy, uh, Hungarian Irish, here's Hungarian Pennsylvania, and you yep, know, we're in East Tuscaloosa, yeah, Alabama. Yeah, yeah. That's where our friendship started when Jimmy came to New York and uh, passed the bar exam up here. He's an attorney. Uh, we started working together. And uh, Jimmy calls and says, Joe, I have an interesting proposal here. I've got a storyboard. And Jimmy, real quick, and I apologize, Joe. You, at that point, were you getting tons of different things and you were vetting them? Yes. And this one just caught your eye. Did, did they, when they pitched it to you, say, look, Joe's legs are banged up? Like, like, was it very easy to see the cleverness of it or did that develop later as an idea? No, there was a lady from Photoplay Magazine who went to the University of Alabama. Yes. She was the editor of Photoplay and she happened to come in the office to talk to me about this. Yes. About talking to me about doing a thing for her. And uh, basically at that point I had that thing and I asked her, I said, well, what do you think about this idea? She said, oh, she said, my father is in Iowa, and he would be devastated if Joe never wore pantyhose. Yeah, I mean, Joe, like, like honestly, like, Joe wearing pantyhose, what year was it? 70 what? Do you remember? 75? Okay, like, that is a risky move. Yo, you know what? No, man, I liked it. I saw the humor in it. First of all, it was a job, and it was a good job, and it was with a good company. Were you blown, by the way, I've seen the commercial a billion times. Like, were you blown away how good your legs actually looked in the, you know, the commercial for anybody who's not watching, maybe we'll edit it on the vlog. Like, it's a pan up of legs, and it's coming kind of up from the toes, from left to right, and like, it's nice looking legs. Like, and then all of a sudden, it's Joe. Like, like that, did that like, like, were you even stunned when you first saw it? Like, man, these things really work? Wait a minute. You, 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 you. If beauty myths can make these legs look beautiful. Still got just it. Just think what they can do for yours. It's amazing. <laughs> beauty myths by hand. No, it wasn't nah, one sure. day. Go ahead, buddy. The first one. Joe did a commercial for pantyhose before that for a company called Elba Waldensian, but that was just a print ad. Nobody saw got it. it. Got it. Got it. I don't remember that, by the way. <laughs> Let's talk about commentating. You know, you make that transition. You did that for a while. Hey, by nice the run. way, wait yeah, please, a minute. Please, I'm please, interrupt you, Gary. Now, you know, you play soccer, you play football, even sometimes basketball, and you tape your ankles and knees. You have to shave your legs. Makes sense. So my legs were already shaved, you right, see. So it was super comfortable. <laughs> I didn't even have to shave my legs. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they were clean. They were smooth. <laughs> talk to me about sports casting. You enjoyed it? Was that I, fun? Uh, was, I, was it or was it not? Was it like it was a nice thing to do? Like, where did that sit? I, I wasn't educated enough to know that the controversy, uh, the critiquing, needed to be harsher. I was more of a protective player, yeah. uh, still being a, a yep. football locker room kind yeah. of teammate, yep. and I, I wasn't really keen on it. I understand. Talk to me about you know. I think a lot of people when they think about back to nerding out a little bit, a lot of people talk about. Don Maynard. I want to talk about George Sauer. What kind of teammate was he? You know, uh, just talk to me about it, George. Well, they're, they're both from Texas, as you know, and you yep. mentioned Don Maynard first, and I want to go back to that Kansas Please. City Chief game. We Please. didn't have Don in that game. Yep. He was hurt. We yep. had another Texan, Bake Turner, but they also had a cornerback that was really good, who's in the Hall of Fame. And so they shut down our game pretty good that day. George Sauer, uh, 
I have often said that Don Maynard is in the Hall of Fame. He was the lightning strike, the knockout punch. Every team had to respect his tricky speed, speed. man. He was wily. He was he, he was terrific. Uh, the guy I liked working best with was George Sauer. George Sauer and I were rookies was he, together. Was he, hard, was he great at route running? He was wonderful you at route he, running. You knew where he was going to be. Yes, yes. We would work after practice, man, and uh, as rookies together, and uh, we developed the timing that was just uh, wonderful. And, and and some of the guys, the veterans, would talk about even the coaches, Don's lack of discipline in route running. Mm-hmm. Well, excuse me, he knew how to get open. Mm-hmm. He might have rounded some routes of off course, a little of differently than breaking them sharply yep. or whatever. He's a Hall of Famer. Yes. You know, he was the sure man. Is. George Sauer, uh, you could always count on George. I mean, being there precise, man. And he had hands that uh, I don't remember him dropping anything. In the Super Bowl, in, a, in the championship game, there was a play that uh, George caught a quick out, got hit, and fumbled the yep. ball. Today, they wouldn't call it a fumble. They'd call it an incomplete pass. Yep. It was that fast. Lenny Lyles hit him. George was wonderful. Joe, what about now, fandom-wise? Like, how how much do you watch Bama or the Jets or anybody else for that matter? I watch Bama and I watch the Jets weekly. <laughs> yeah, in this day and, and have, age, and you, you can see it. And you have since you've retired, uh, or it took you a little well, time. We, you took some time off, or how did that? How did your fandom post career develop? Did you take some time off after you retired because you just needed to in that point of your life? Or has literally from the day you stop playing, you, you Saturday and Sunday you watch? I did take some time away from football. I'm a Gemini. There's a side <laughs> of me, really, you know, no, I and, I, and I believe in this kind yeah, of thing. I, I want it out. I yeah. wanted to change your pace. Uh-huh. I wanted to experiment. I wanted to learn from these other opportunities uh-huh. that I did have. Acting? Uh, yes, exactly. That was a big I went focus and took yours. some yep. lessons, I, uh, some acting. I yep. studied acting. I studied voice, and I did some other things. Uh, with theater as yep. well as motion pictures, but never had the real passion to do it. They were nice jobs, they were good jobs. Yes. But there's a side of this Gemini that re- I need downtime. Mm-hmm. It's for your health, yeah. you know, I, I can't, I won't uh, have to work that way, spend the it. hours. And then life evolved into having a family and I enjoyed mm-hmm. spending time with the family and also that was cool. Leaving football, we've talked about coaching, those coaches work so hard. So hard. You gotta have the passion to do mm-hmm. it. The passion, what you're doing, mm-hmm. how you go, you've got that passion, man, 100%. and you, you know, that's right. Uh, so uh, when I got out of football, I wanted a break. I, I wanted to get away, and uh, Jimmy continued to guide me in directions that uh, we kept growing. And then you kind of got the bug back a little bit again to start just watching on Saturdays and Sundays? Oh, that's how you know. You know what? Please. NFL ticket came into play. You could watch your pro team so what, every you were, game you, they what, play, man. You were, you were man. in what, Florida at the time, or I'm trying to remember? Uh, like, I, I was in Florida at the time, I think. So you, so you were able to start watching? We started out with... Uh, uh, Classic Sports Network yes. was a board that, that I was on with Ernie Banks and yes. Will Chamberlain and Larry Bird, Brian uh, Badal, uh, 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 Greenberg, uh, uh, Stephen Greenberg, and mm-hmm. Brian Badal started mm-hmm. that. Brian, God bless him. Great yes, dude. man. Spoke to him last week. And uh, Classic Sports Network was wonderful, and it, you know later it was ended one, up. You know what? Classic Sports Network was wonderful. It allowed a generation, my generation to really get a sense of some of the icons of sports. I mean, it was a really thoughtful 
product. Yes. I really enjoyed it. A lot of, uh, I couldn't agree more. Nostalgia plays. Yes. Nostalgia plays. Of all sports, you know, not just so, football. So but as a Jets fan, what has been the most heartbreaking loss for you as a fan, not as a player? Not my heartbreaking. I, I'm not. I don't get heartbroken over sports. You know. Yeah. I, yeah well, uh, there are more important I would, things. I met you very briefly because we were both walking on the field for the Pittsburgh game, the Doug Bryan game, when he missed two field goals. Okay. With, within the minute, that was a heartbreaker. But I weirdly, if you remember, Alex, I wasn't upset. There's this. There's a secret. You know, Joe. My my ambition in life is to buy the New York Jets. That is 100% what I spend my time on. And there is a secret part of me that wonders if I actually want to be the person that brings back the championship. So I'm a huge fan. I watch every play. I watch every game. Three years ago, my brother and I went to all 16 games on the wow. road. This is a big passion of mine. But like, there was something weird after the Steelers game where I wasn't as upset as the rest of the crew and we drove back from Pittsburgh and that was the first time I said, do I actually want this team to win a Super Bowl? Or do I want to buy this team and win a Super Bowl? <laughs> like that, that was the first time I actually asked it. So you don't get crushed. Well, how do you feel now? Do you still well, actually- Listen, I will say this. You know, outside of Pennington's like first kind of like 18, before he got hurt, that first season when he had that incredible run, you know, and as much as I was excited about Favre, but I knew it was later in his career, and the team that, that Favre team late in that season before he got hurt was probably, when they beat the Titans, who were undefeated at the time in week 11, that was maybe one of the few times I was like, maybe this is the team, but out this Darnold kid, and I've gotten to know him because my brother and I started this sports agency, we recruited him. We were in his living room in California trying to convince him to go with our agency. He didn't go with us, but we struck such a friendship. And I, the last thing I said to his mother when we were pitching him, is I said, Mrs. Darnold, if I had the option, if God was listening to me right now and your son would sign with us and go number one overall to Cleveland, or not go with us and go three to the Jets, I would pick not go with us and three to the Jets. Oh man. So I'm extremely, <laughs> I'm, this is no question. It's such a, it's a quarterback league and I do think it takes this and this and all these intangibles. I think one of the things that's, I, oftentimes when I get into a nerdy discussion about your career, I you already brought it up a couple times here today which is why I'm smiling inside, the great, great misunderstanding, not misunderstanding, the number one thing I think you're most underrated for was what you did inside the locker room and your teammates when who you were in the outside world. Without having the ability to have the humility and to, have, to understand the weight you were carrying in the outside world, inside the locker room, that is absolutely your legacy as a leader in my opinion. That's why, that's why you are who you are. I think Sam has that. Not that he has the same level of like macro fame, but if you do not know how to work a locker room as a quarterback and what you have to do off the field, if you're not doing, I mean, this kid's studying film 24-7. I think we have a shot with this one. Uh, you know, I agree, of course, Gary. I watched him in college too at SC and he looked like he had the physical tools and all that, but uh, during the course of the season last year, hearing his coaches especially his teammates Josh talk about him and how they talked about him. That left a, a better impression even, you know, and getting to meet him and just visiting briefly a few yep. times with him. I uh, really respect him. I like his size. Uh, he's bigger than I, than I thought he was. Yep. And uh, the guy can play, but you know it's a team game. It, it is, is a, a team, team game. game. Yeah. Speaking of team game, who's the most underrated teammate you ever played with? 
tight end, guard, somebody, you know, obviously there's the names that we all know, but a little bit left field. Anybody stand out as like, wow, like, you know, I wish more people realized, you know, because what's amazing about sports, and it's the same as running a company, it's subtle intangibles that are very hard to see. You know, whether it's picking somebody up on the bench, whether it's reinforcing something, whether it's keeping somebody in line who is starting to be a cancer. Is there anybody who stands out that even the hardest core Jet fans or you know may not know? I, I, I don't know about the hardest core Jet fans may not know because there's one guy on our offensive line who took a beating every week, our center, John Schmidt. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was at a time that it wasn't head slapping. Forget about it. It wasn't head Punch slapping, it. man. These cats were gonna hit I me was right in the mean head. Jo- I was watching Mean Joe Green's uh, this weekend, NFL Life, with my son Xander that I introduced you to, like I'm trying to educate him on the game. Looking at those highlights, it's crazy what they were doing. Unbelievable. It was crazy. And then the linemen had to block with their hands in here. They couldn't even reach out and, you know, they were just taking away a from them. The offensive linemen, uh, and to this day, your games mostly are won in the pits. 100%. You know, the trenches. You, you, you got to have the guys oh, up front on both sides Facebook, of the ball. Uh, YouTube, I apologize, Joe. Put in your phone numbers. We're going to take a couple calls and wrap it up. So what's really interesting about how much did you love playing in Shea before we get, because Shea's got this aura. I didn't get to you know, go to any games there because they'd moved to Giant Stadium at that point. Was that, there was, there was, a, there was a, something about it. Well, yeah, it was in New York for one thing. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm not putting Jersey down no, at all. It, you it. understand, because those fans are supporters. But this was our team out here in Queens, you yep. know, right there on the island there. Uh, and also, uh, we got to practice later in September because the Mets were there and we shared it with Mets so we got to know Tom and the guys, you know, whatever, yeah. But also we got to practice at Rikers Island. Rikers (laughs) Island, as you know, is a prison. And that's the most memorable place I ever remember practicing. Tell me about being in New York during that time. You guys win, the Mets win, which was improbable, the Knicks win a year later. Did you have a relationship with Walt Clyde Frazier? Oh, a a nice relationship. Did you guys ever hang? We didn't hang, no, he was working. The two of you are legendary men off the field in New York City, and I secretly have always, I'm so glad I just got to ask you that, because if you left and I didn't ask, I would've been upset. I was like, oh man, I wonder if the two of them ever hit the town together, that must've been insane. Sanity. Hey, so you had respect for each other, but you didn't have. Oh, I was pulling for him. Willis, it was as Comives even. Did you go to any of those championship Knicks games? games uh, I don't know. I was out okay. of town doing during that mm-hmm. time. But I tell you what, uh, Roger Bear. I was just going to ask you. Did you go to Was the man that swears he mm-hmm. was uh, the suave, the suave, <laughs> and he was the coolest. Did you go guy. to Ranger games? Uh, uh, no. Did not, you go not, to any games? Like, did you go to Met games? Did you did you do that, I'll or did you, you kind of stay in your own? When land? the season was over. Over, I, I usually left town. First of all, if you're in New York 186 days a year, you yeah. are a resident. Mm-hmm. And not that I kept I up it. with, I uh, not yeah. that I kept up with it much, but uh, we, you know. The taxes kept, are much better outside uh, of it. That's and, amazing, and, I love that. And it's, having played. So you were that thoughtful about it back then, like you were real purposeful. That makes sense, I get it. I, I only learned as I yeah, went I along, it, yeah. I didn't know You're that. You're like, yes sir. But I knew I loved Florida because of being there as a sophomore in college to play a bowl game against yep. Oklahoma, playing Texas. Okay. And Super look bowl. at this place. In La- and yeah, okay, yeah, bowl. that too, <laughs> yeah. yes. So I knew I loved Florida. I loved the weather down yep. there. I, I got to where I needed blue skies So your off-season was Florida, Bama, a little Pennsylvania or no? 
Pennsylvania, my mother and family mm-hmm. are yep. still, my mother's passed, but my family's still back there. They're, yep. they're survivors. But I became a resident of Florida in yep. 1970. In 1970. Time, Impressive work. Who's this? Chase. Chase? You got it. Well, I know Connecticut. I don't know, but did you say this? Hello? Hey, yeah. Chase, it's Gary Vaynerchuk. You're on with the legend Joe Namath. No way. You did How's it, it going, Chase. Guys? It's going well, Chase. How are you? Doing well. You got a question? Yeah, so my question for you is this. Um, Joe, is there any um, is there any similarities between being a football quarterback and being an entrepreneur? That's an interesting question. What do you think, Joe? Uh, I know more about football than I do uh, being an entrepreneur and entrepreneurial ship. Uh, but I think uh, management is important of whatever you're doing and communicating with the personnel you're working with. Yeah, there are similarities uh, uh, in life in general. Joe, you also played in the era where you were, uh, correct me here, you were calling the plays at the line, right? We, yeah, we had the liberty to do that. That's right. Did and you take and they, that liberty a lot? And they still do have the liberty to. I know, to, I know. Yeah, but yeah. you played in the year, like Depending on who your coach is. Yeah, and of course. Depending of on, course. I mean, if I saw Phil Sims and, and Bill Belichick go uh, at it yeah. over there on the side, and yeah. I knew Parcells. Phil Sims yeah. knew what he was doing out yep. there. But you know what? If the play doesn't work and you're, you're, you're big trouble. You got to have a reason. Coach Eubank, when I was a rookie, told us, you know, a quarterback, if I send in a play, you run what I send in. Unless you have a better play, I want to hear the reason. You yep. got to have a reason to change the play. So uh, I, I did uh, enjoy being able to, and we won the championship game, basically calling 80 plus percent of our plays at the line of scrimmage. A whole lot of running. Well, yeah, offensive line and Matt Snell. I never saw anybody play a game like Matt Snell. I mean, he not only ran that ball, God knows, 20-plus times or whatever, gained so many yards, caught passes, but covered on kickoffs, too. Ran down the field on kickoffs, man. You know, it it was a different era. Chase, thanks for calling, brother. Thanks so much, guys. You You got it. What did you do the day after the Super Bowl? Oh. Did you guys party hard that night or were you like kind of like what what like happened? Didn't party hard. You I guys, had my girlfriend with me and you know yep. we were relieved and yep. we were just uh it did you, was so Did you did you truly I mean I don't even know if at this point it's been talked about so much so many like I could understand how it could like manipulate in one's brain but if you can for a second try do you, did, do you think you understood the magnitude of that win? To me, I understood it only as far as a goal, the world championship. That's what it says on that ring, the world (laughs) champion. It wasn't called the Super Bowl at the time. And I've said this again, if you're in Little League, make the team, you want to win a championship. On every level you go, you want to be the best, a big part of the team. Joe, I have an interesting question. You were already kind of known, uh, known, but like, did your life actually completely change after that game, though? Like, did when you were at an airport or at a diner, no matter where you were, in the, like in the in the country, did you just completely see a big shift? Yeah, absolutely. I went out to San Francisco after that game. Uh, 
I was going on a USO tour to the hospitals in the Far East, and there was a group of people when I got to the airport in San Francisco holding up signs and all that. Broadway Joe, congratulations. Bu- so bu- you knew. Bu- yeah, it, it, it shocked me. I mean, San Francisco. Yeah, of yeah, course. So that, that was the, the first thing I remember about really being recognized for that game. Did you ever have a conversation about the game with Unitas? I know he didn't start that game. Johnny and I, we got to visit at many charity events and golf outings. And uh, to know at later. night, just the two of us sitting and drinking uh, a little yeah. bit afterwards. Uh, we never discussed the game. Never. No. No, no, no. Yeah, no, I get it. 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 The score said it all. And uh, Johnny you, wasn't himself. That's, see, that's the other thing. Before that game uh, in, in Fort Lauderdale, their defensive tackle, uh, Lou Michaels, and Dan Sullivan, their offensive guard, and Jim Hudson and I, are safety, had dinner together. Get out of here. I knew Lou Michaels because he and my brother Frank were at Kentucky together. I love it. Uh, and so I got to meet Lou when they came yeah. home from college. I was maybe 13, 14 at yeah. the time. And uh, so we decided to have dinner, and we're sitting at the bar waiting for a table, and Lou and I, you know, and Jim, yeah. Dan, we have a drink or two. Yeah. And for some reason, I guess because he was a defensive lineman, for some reason, Lou turned to me and said, you know what, Joe? We're going to kick your <laughs> I said, whoa, no, Lou. Come on, man. Come on. I said, what? And besides, what do you know about it? You're just a kicker. <laughs> oh, man. He got Lou's going. jaw went straight, boy. He got up tight. He started to move. And about that time, a guy came over with a tuxedo. I said, table's ready, guys, or whatever. <laughs> So we got along the rest of the night, all right, but there was some chop busting. Obviously, Johnny didn't start the game. Did you? He was hurt. That's uh-huh. what I wanted to say. When he, I know that. When he came in, because he was this legend that I'm sure, you, and I know that you looked up to, was there a part of you saying, don't do it, Johnny? Don't come Absolutely. in. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I can see myself standing there on the sideline right now. I never asked the good Lord to help <laughs> us win. I didn't, really. We always prayed for health, yep. and we always prayed to yep. stay healthy, yep. not have injuries, yep. but not to help us win yeah, the I game. When Johnny came out there, I looked up the clock, and I looked up to God, and I said, please, God, <laughs> let that clock run. Run out. <laughs> you know, I did. Uh, but Johnny wasn't himself. No, like I, I told that. Lou, I before I said you're just the kicker to Lou, I said, Lou, Johnny's hurt. He can't throw the ball across the street. Yep. And besides that, what do you know? You're just the kicker. Who, who are we calling? Curtis. Curtis? Yep. Then Curtis what Martin's calling us. What if he's not us. at home? <laughs> <laughs> then, then we're going to move on. And that's the first guy I thought of when he said Curtis. Me too. Curtis Martin. What a, what a gentleman, oh, huh? Oh, man. Class act. Great player. Curtis? Yes? It's Gary Vaynerchuk, and you're on with the legend Joe Namath. Oh, holy crap. Hey, Gary V. <laughs> what hey, up? Joe. How you doing, Curtis? Good. My question is this. In regards to, um, you know, transitioning from professional sports at your time to afterwards, what do you think the major difference is now mm. from transitioning That's from a, a pro athlete to whatever? Because um, I feel like there's a lot of issues going on in regards to finances. You know what, Curtis? Thank and you, this, Curtis. This day and age, there's no excuse. Uh, the player didn't want to listen. They're taught 
maybe not from home, but from their high school coaches, from their college coaches, their mentors. They're taught better than ever before to prepare for the time after your sports playing days are over. So if, if you know, that's bad luck or they weren't decent listeners. The players today are prepared better for everything outside of football, plus the nutrition they have, the training they have, uh, because of the, the game's growth and the people looking back and saying, yeah. how can we do this better? Yeah. It, it, there, there shouldn't be an excuse, but, you know, uh, ooh, some guys just uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, don't understand. What, were you following the, uh, a little, gonna wrap up with a little more Jets Nerdum uh, word association. Were you following during Kenny O'Brien's years? Yes, What did you absolutely. think of Kenny as a player? I think Kenny uh, was glad he had Wesley Walker. Sure was. <laughs> you know, and yeah. And Kenny was an ace. Yeah. He was a heck of a passer. His great offensive under- line situation was real difficult. Well, that's where it starts yeah. too. And offensively, and, I, and I've said this many times, the first Manning, to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame wouldn't be Peyton, and it may not be Eli or if he gets there. Yep. It would be their dad, Archie. Mm-hmm. Archie never had a team to play with. 100%. He played with the New Orleans Aints. Yep. Not the Saints. Right. They used to put bags over their head. Yeah, the fans did. So uh, Archie was a great quarterback, but didn't have the team. Dan Marino, he's in the Hall of Fame but didn't have a team to win, to get over the hump, to win a championship. Yep. Could Dan lead a team? Yeah. Give him San Francisco's yeah, team. Course. Give him our team. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, Lady Luck plays a role. What about that defensive line, that the sack exchange, the Klecos, the Salams, the Gastinos? What did you think about those And characters? Marty Lyons, right. too. Yeah, absolutely. Klecko. Yep. You're talking about a guy that should be in the Hall of Fame, 100%. in my opinion. Made a Pro Bowl three different positions. Three different positions. You're right. And now how can that be done? How can he not be in the Hall of Fame? I question that, uh, but he's in my Hall of Fame. And everybody, anybody that's ever played against Joe Klecko will back that up. Show the book. What, uh, you know, there's been a couple books with you. There's The documentary was unbelievable. Uh, I watched that opening night and then many times over. Uh, is there a story out there that, even at, at this point, do you think about, I always wonder about this, because there's, I think all of us as humans, I share a lot about my life, uh, and I document, I do a lot of stuff, but I always wonder about the stories that haven't been told or the underrated sto- stories. At this point in your life, is there any turn that has stone that hasn't been turned? Is there anything, that, like your acting career, is there anything that, you know, do you ever think about stuff that you haven't talked about yet that you say, will I ever talk about that? Because we all go, you know, and hold a couple things that we never share, but are there things that you've been thinking about sharing that maybe you haven't shared in the past? No. No, you know what? I have shared a lot, and have. and I uh, haven't ducked things. I, you know, starting at home, stuff starts yep. at home, yep. and you take the responsibility yep. for your acts yep. and all, and you try to make improvements on it. But some things, you know, you better just not uh, right being said. Yep. What's it going to do? Is I it going to harm somebody? Is I it going to hurt somebody here or whatever? Is it going to be positive? This book, uh, a, a, a really important part of it, is reaching out, trying to help underdogs that feel like they're underdogs. Mm -hmm. You know, I keep saying, if you have a passion, go for it, try it. Don't let anybody tell you you cannot do something. If you have a problem with substance, whether it be drinking, drugs, whatever, reach out for help. I went, when I was married, 
Uh, my former wife asked me to quit drinking in 1986. Okay. And I stopped for 13 and a half years. All right? Yep. Then I found a reason to go back and drink. I drank uh, for a few more years and... Uh, uh, the Susie Colbert incident mm-hmm. changed my life. She helped. I called her the next day when I found out what I had done that mm-hmm. night. Uh, I called her. In fact, Jimmy called me and told me about it. The next day, I didn't know. I understand. So I called her and I apologized to her, and she was so supportive. She in- inspired me more than uh, I was inspired at the time, but I knew I let a lot of people down, including my family and friends. But, you know... I needed help. I needed help. So I went and got help. I went to a facility. I got help. I got an education, I like to call it. I wanted to understand why this was happening. Uh, when I, in, in retrospect, you know, it, it just became a way of life. It was evolved. And, and uh, I, I, I got education at a professional facility. Then I started going to AA and still run across people and still do see people who come over to me and they kind of whisper. Joe, I'm a friend of Bill's. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't have to whisper. Yeah. <laughs> so am I. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. We grew up in a in an era where there was a stigma around that, and anytime we as a culture can eliminate stigma, whether it's alcoholism, right now I think the stigma of the next half decade, next excuse me, two three decades, hopefully is mental health issues that we can start eliminating this stigma to allow people to feel comfortable because other people's judgment dictates a lot of our behavior. Yes, yes, and and addiction, uh, you know, I mean, if you can be addiction to the good Lord and love, okay, but many of the times we talk addiction, it's negative, That's you right. know? That's right. And so if you, if you get caught in that kind of a thought, if you think you've got a problem, you probably do, and you need to reach out because there are people that want to help you. Joe, it's been an honor to have you. Thank you, Gary. One of the fun things on this show is the person gets, to, the guest gets to ask the question of the day. So I want you to, I'm gonna give you a few seconds here to think. You've got thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands over the next month that are gonna watch this. What question do you wanna ask the masses? What do you want them to think about? What kind of question? Wow. Um, are you the big about issue the right now with what I've been wrestling with is trying to understand this abortion issue. Interesting. And, uh, you know, I I believe in God. I believe in religion. I also believe in the right for a lady at a a time to have a choice Mm -hmm. on what's going on. How are we Mm going to get that straightened out? Started in Alabama, too. How are we going to get this straightened out? It's a powerful question, Joe. Thanks for being on the show. All right. Thank you, Gary. You got it. You keep asking questions. We'll keep answering them. Thanks, guys, for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed. And more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. (laughs) Have a great day.